You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Rob Tumbrella. Well, I'd like to give a welcome uh, this morning. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say, if you are new with us, thank you so much for joining us in this building and as, as well as online. Uh, thank you so much. In this Advent season, we've been uh, taking time to reflect upon the story of Christmas and how that brings hope to weary hearts. We come into this Advent season, all of us, weary of a great many things. Uh, theologian Mike Tyson once said this. He said, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And 2020 was a year where I think everyone got punched in the mouth. And I compare this year with what happens every time the lights go out at my house. I think I know where the flashlights are. I, I think I know where the batteries are. I think I know where the candles are and that where the matches are and all that kind of stuff. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to do if the lights go out. But it looks very different in reality when the lights actually do go out. And uh, stumbling around in the dark uh, always feels different and looks different than you thought that it would look. And that's how we all are as we come to the end of this year and as we approach 20. 21. So the question I would like to ask this morning is, what does it mean to trust God in the dark? What does it mean to trust God, not in physical darkness, but in the darkness of confusion or the darkness of uncertainty or of frustration or of fear, real fear or of just disappointment? You're walking through disappointment. If, if that doesn't describe Anybody in here, if that doesn't describe you, it describes somebody that you know. They are walking through uncertainty and disappointment and frustration and fear, and they need hope of how to trust God in that kind of darkness. And I hope that we see today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. If you get your device or your Bible out, just turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 26 through 45. And in this short section, I hope that we see that through Mary, we see that trusting God in the dark involves at least three things. It involves humble questions, loving trust, and bold confidence. Humble questions, loving trust, and a bold confidence. We have prayed, and let me pray as we turn to Luke chapter 1. Father, we now open your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our eyes as we look upon your word. Give us faith, expand our hearts, Give us eyes to see. Give us faith and and obedience this morning, Lord. We trust you and we need you. Help the speaker and help the hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 26. For in this section we see Mary asking some humble questions. It says in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Exclamation point. Note that. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So Gabriel, who is an angel, who we saw speaking just a few moments ago in the beginning of chapter 1, bringing good news to Zechariah, now comes to a young girl named Mary who is engaged to Joseph. And the very first words out of the angel's mouth is greetings. And that word greetings literally means to rejoice. It's the Greek word kyre, and it, it's a command to rejoice. So he actually says rejoice. And that same word is the same word that we see uh, the wise men doing when it says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced. And they rejoiced with a exceeding joy. And that's the word that the angel has for Mary. The very first word that he says to her. And then we see the reason why he says it. Greetings or rejoice, O favored one. And we're not going to do this with every word in the section, but let's not pass over that word, O, because it's intentionally there. It's a, it is a word. It's not a throwaway idea. It's an emotional word of surprise. Now, when the angel sees Mary, he says, O, favored one. And that word, O, is similar to the word that Isaiah used when he saw an angel. When he saw an angel 700 years before the birth of Christ, he was terrified and he used a similar word. His word was, woe, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And that's an appropriate response. So it, it should be remarkable that when the angel sees Mary, he uses something of a similar word and says, oh, favored one. And the reason why he's using that word of surprise in verse 28 is repeated in verse 30. You've found favor with God. That's why he's saying, oh, favored one. That's why he's using such a surprise. You found favor with God. Now, now finding favor is not a statement of God discovering a sinless individual of perfect character. Actually, finding favor is a statement of God's free grace and mercy to be with a person in spite of their imperfect character. I mean, Mary was a great gal, to be sure. But every person in the Bible who found favor with God, whether that was Noah or whether that was Moses or now here, Mary, find Grace in the midst of their own weaknesses and their own failures. And if we get this wrong, we're not going to see Mary the way that the Bible describes Mary. And we're not going to understand God's grace and favor the way that we are going, we, the way the Bible describes it. Laura Dern, the actress, won Best Supporting Actress this year. And uh, critics say it was for a one-minute scene in the movie Marriage Story. I've not seen the movie, but I saw the, the, the clip at the Oscars uh, earlier in 2020. And in this clip, Laura Dern's character says this, Society can accept an imperfect dad because 
uh, an imperfect dad. But they don't accept those same failings in mothers because the basis of our Judeo-Christian whatever is Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she's perfect. She's a virgin who gives birth, unwaveringly supports her child, so you'll always be held to a different standard. Well, that is a misconception of Mary. The idea that she is perfect undermines the favor of God. It undermines what is so surprising to this angel. The favor of God is, in verse 28, described as the Lord being with Mary. The Lord is with you, Mary. That's what the favor of God is. The favor of God is when the Lord draws close to us and is with us in our imperfections, in our confusion, in the midst of who we are as we are when we discover God's favor. And so even before the announcement of the gospel in this passage, it's important to note that this is how the gospel comes to every one of us in the room and everybody online right now. God finds us exactly where we are and interrupts us with an announcement of good news, of great joy that will be for all the people. And then he gets to the actual gospel. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Here is the gospel message. Jesus, which means Savior, that was a common name then and now. It means that he will save. Jesus is a Savior King. Both ideas, Savior King, the one and only God-man. And this God-man rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love through a bloody cross. And everyone who trusts in Jesus are transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light and life and receive forgiveness of sins and a whole new transformation. And this is the only kingdom that has a starting point, the angel says, but has no end. It'll never end. It'll go on and on forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, that is great news. It's good news, and it's a lot to take in. It's a lot for us to take in Imagine being Mary and hearing all of this. So she's taking all of this in. She's heard a lot in just a a moment with an angel. And she has honest and humble questions. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how? How will this be since I am a virgin? She recognizes this is a real challenge here. This is a real problem here. And I don't understand. I'm confused. I need help understanding how this is possible. And so she has a humble question for this angel. Now, is Mary's question a problem? 
you might think that this gets her in hot water with this angel because Zechariah asked what sounds like a similar question earlier in the chapter. Earlier in the chapter, Gabriel promises after years of praying, Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for pregnancy and they were barren. He, he, the angel comes to Zechariah and says that you're going to have a baby. This is going to happen. John the Baptist, you're going to be pregnant, even in your old age. The angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And then we read that Zechariah said to the angel, how? That's similar to Mary. He says how as well. But he says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Now, both people ask the word how, but there is a difference, and you could hear that even in the the language, right? There's a difference between asking, how shall I know this, and asking, how will this be? One is an honest question of faith coming from a place of humility. The other is an expression of doubt in the form of a question. Essentially saying, prove it to me. That was sort of what Zechariah was saying. Can you prove this to me? The angel knew it wasn't an honest question and rather a statement of doubt because he actually says the words, Zechariah, you did not believe my words. And he doesn't say that to Mary. Mary believes, but she needs help. And, she, and, and her question is welcomed by the angel. When we trust God in the dark, sometimes the confusion of that moment and and the conflict of ideas and thoughts that, that roam in our heads reveal both of those kinds of statements that come out of our hearts. Sometimes we question God like Zechariah, and it really just reveals our doubt and our unbelief. We like to think that our questions always come from a place of faith like Mary, but oftentimes it comes out like Zechariah. God, can you prove this to me? Because I really doubt in my unbelief. And if we're Christians, sometimes it comes out like Mary. It's actually an honest expression of humility and it's an expression of faith, but a faith that seeks understanding. I don't understand what I should see in this. I don't get it. I need help. Can you help me? Can you answer this question for me? And it's important to note that neither question threatens God's plan. Zechariah still gets his prayer answered. He just gets an additional sign on top of that because he asked for a sign and he got one. But Mary's question pleases God. And here's why it pleases God. Because it comes from a place of faith. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Seeking him sometimes looks like honest and humble questions. And that's what Mary's doing. She's leaning in. 
She's asking honest questions from a place of humility. She seeks understanding. She doesn't understand. Certainly there's an expression of doubt, but it's a, it's a leaning in, and she is asking an honest question. What Zechariah questions this morning does God want you to turn from? What's really just an expression of doubt and unbelief in God that he would pinpoint and say, Move away from that today. And like Mary, what is a question that you can please God in asking? You know, he's pleased by us asking honest and humble questions like Mary. Have you been afraid to ask him that question? Maybe you've asked others, but you've not actually asked God. Well, Mary comes with humble questions and then she gets an answer. And this gets us to a loving trust. Look at verse 35. The angel answers her question. He says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So she gets an answer, and it's a direct and clear answer, but there's still probably more questions to that. And, but that's all she's going to get. That's all the, the light that the angel is going to share with Mary. And sometimes life just works that way. God is pleased to give us this much light. We want more, but he gives us this much light. And we have to lovingly trust the light that he gives. But what does he say to her? He says, Mary, conception will not be through Joseph, but through the Holy Spirit. So it's important. Jesus' holiness does not come from perfect Mary, but through God the Holy Spirit. And that's how Jesus does not inherit a sinful nature from Adam. So the simple answer is also a very profound answer. How is this going to happen Well, simply, God is going to perform a miracle, Mary. That's how this is going to happen. The the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and God is going to perform something miraculous once in history, once in redemptive history, only going to happen one time, and it's going to happen with you. God's going to perform a miracle. And notice that God helps Mary believe in this one-time miracle through another miracle. Look at verse 36. He says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. These are two miracle pregnancies that the angel is announcing. Both miraculous. One Once only in history, the other may be a little more common, but no less miraculous. If you've ever walked through barrenness as a couple, it is a very long and difficult journey. Michelle and I walked through that journey, and others we know in this church have walked through that even longer than than we did. And it's a reminder of the miracle of new life, the miracle of birth. You can't just snap your fingers and make things happen. God gives life, and every single time it's a miracle, and especially in a situation where the couple's old and advanced in years, and that's what the angel tells Mary. 
This reputation that Elizabeth and Zechariah have is going to end because God is going to step in and do a miracle in their lives. And, and it's, it's less uh, one of a kind, but it's no less of a miracle. Both are supernatural. Both are amazing. But the smaller miracle in this moment encourages Mary to trust God in the bigger miracle. The more common miracle that has shown up in redemptive history multiple times is here to remind Mary that God is going to do the larger miracle. And in fact, the angel says it's already happened. This is an announcement that something's already happened. It's six months along. You were not even aware that God was performing a miracle six months ago before the angel arrives at Mary's doorstep. Now, if you struggle with miracles and you say, man, I I just struggle with the virgin birth, let me just help you out. It's much more difficult than that. Salvation comes exclusively through miracles. God miraculously creates the world out of nothing. Then miraculously steps into his own creation through this virgin birth. And then he miraculously keeps the law And then Jesus performs miracle after miracle after miracle for everybody to see. And then he rises from the dead miraculously. And then he ascends to heaven miraculously. And then he sends his spirit down upon the church miraculously. And then through faith in Jesus Christ, we experience the miracle of new birth. And then we experience the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit to show and tell the kingdom of God to others as the kingdom advances. And right now, in this moment of redemptive history, we wait for the miraculous new world to come. And we're just waiting for another miracle. We're in between miracles. We've seen a lot in Scripture. We've experienced stuff. But more miracles are coming. So salvation is wrapped up in miracles and salvation comes through smaller miracles every single day that comes to us through the promises of his word. Now think about it this way. Here's how miracles come to us right now. Think of the miracle of the promise of Isaiah 43 where God tells you and I, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That's a miracle. That is supernatural. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. All of that is a supernatural miracle of God's help. Designed to help us through the day to day of our darkness and our confusion. Think of the, the promise of Hebrews 13, 5, in the midst of comparison and greed of our city. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's not enough money in the city of Frisco that could purchase a better promise than the promise that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Think of the promise of Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That rest is a supernatural miracle that only the Son of God 
promises to those who come to him by faith and say, I need rest for my weary and heavy soul. That's a miracle. Or think of the promise that he gave the Apostle Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So this is what it means to lovingly trust God. For the miracle of this moment. And that's what Mary does in verse 38. She says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She says, I don't understand everything. She probably would like more light. But in the light that you've given to me, let it be to me. Let it happen to me just as you've said. That's a wonderful prayer to pray at Advent 2020. I don't understand everything. I've got a lot more questions. But what you have shown to me in your word, let it be to me according to your word. I lovingly trust you. I trust your word. I don't trust my feelings. I trust your word. And I'm your servant. That's what it means to lovingly trust him. And then... From a place of trust, we see that Mary has a bold confidence. Look at verse 39. In those days, Mary arose. So she's heard this promise, right? She's heard that her cousin, Elizabeth, is six months along with a miracle pregnancy. And that compels her to get up and move forward. So she arose. She went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So we don't know exactly when Mary conceives, but the angel has told her that her cousin Elizabeth is six months along. And Mary takes a week-long journey. That's how long of a distance that was, from where she was to where Elizabeth was. It was a week-long journey, and she takes this, this journey. Some people say it's the first missionary journey because she's coming with, with, uh, with news, and, and there's, uh, there's joy coming in the midst of all of this, and so she's described as kind of the, work, the first missionary. Uh, but she takes this journey, and she takes it in bold confidence, it's just a bold confidence for her to step up and do this. She could have sat in doubt and, and, and questioned whether or not that was real, that was a real thing or not. But she had to see for herself. She had to believe and trust the word that the angel gave to her. And so she takes small steps. And she takes forward-moving steps in the dark with her own questions, waiting for the next miracle for, from God to happen. And as she shows up, it, it, it shows that, behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ear, Elizabeth says, the baby in my womb 
leaped for joy. And she's even told a blessing over her. Blessed are you who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. She gets that encouragement from her cousin. John the Baptist is a miracle baby who in the womb leaps for joy literally in the darkness. We've we've heard a lot about John the Baptist's ministry, and it starts here, literally leaping for joy in the womb. There's nobody more in the dark than John the Baptist, and here joy shows up in his life in the womb. The one who would later proclaim, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and will tell people, After me comes a man who ranks before me. (laughs) He ranks before me because he was before me is, is leaping for joy in the darkness. There's a lot of darkness in this whole narrative, and there's a lot of darkness in your life. But do you know that there is a possible opportunity for in our hearts for there to be a leaping of joy and of faith and of hope even in the midst of the darkness. And God lets Mary see a smaller miracle to encourage her and to remind her to keep on trusting. And I wonder today if you can see, if the Lord would open up your eyes, open up my eyes to see what God has done in our lives in the past. If we could just see that, that he's never fumbled the ball, that there have been other moments of confusion, other moments of darkness, other moments where we're uncertain, other moments of frustration, other moments of fear, where he has supernaturally helped us. And if we can be reminded of that, I wonder if like Mary, he would encourage us to keep on trusting in his word today. If you'll stand with me, let's, let's close this time in prayer. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.